Welcome back to One Winning Pod. We're here to talk about the uh, Saturday night game against the Commanders. And we're going to go into our uh, 53-man roster uh, discussion later this episode. It'll be a good one. Um, I think overall, the uh, just kind of high level with the game, you know, it was definitely uh, a little bit more of a nail-biter as far as the preseason game goes, but the Ravens snuck out with the win, 17-15 over the Commanders, keeping their preseason streak alive at 23 in a row. Uh, I was just talking to my one coworker uh, <laughs> today at work who... Uh, Chilean uh, doesn't watch too much of American football, but I was telling him about that streak, and he was like, oh, yeah, probably not the best streak to have. You'd much rather have a Super Bowl streak or, you know, playoff streak or something. So, uh, you know, in terms of uh, 23-0, it's it's nice, uh, <laughs> but it's not everything. But I think uh, I think certainly the uh, the team should be proud of uh, last game, though, because uh, it was, it was well, fought, well, well fought. Yeah, I mean... It was probably one of the worst games we've had as a, uh, you know, one of these 23 wins. The offense was not really able to do much if it wasn't for big downfield plays um, that aren't necessarily particularly repeatable. And, uh, you know, Isaiah likely wasn't there to save the day this this iteration. <laughs> um, he was he was resting. Um, so, you know, it was it was really hard to get much out of the offensive play. I think the real highlights were that Tyler Linderbaum had his first action and he looked, you know, healthy and good out there. Uh, Demarcus Robinson, uh, though, was probably the most obvious person on the screen burning the uh, defensive backs that were out there that evening, which is great to see because we were talking about it at the game. We don't really remember that level of domination from Duvernay and Prochet when they've played in this level of competition. Now, granted, they haven't played this year, and they you know they haven't been able to show what they got this off season. But it is good to see that Demarcus Robinson was able to do it this year. Uh, it gives you some hope that you know he could maybe contribute to this team in twenty twenty two. Yeah, you know, I took a more tempered uh, look at the outcome of the game. Um, you know, the point of the of the game was to get a final look at some of these guys who are on the roster bubble who we'll talk about later. Yes, I agree. It was exciting to watch Demarcus Robinson do that. Doesn't move the needle terribly much for me. I mean, we've seen him do that before in Kansas City, and as a fifth-year veteran, 27 years old, I believe, it's like, yeah, it's 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 like the the Heisman Trophy winner goes back to his, his alma mater high school and tears it up on the field it's like well yeah you're you're way above that level of competition <laughs> not not really terribly impressive but you know i don't i personally don't think we can tell too much about what robinson and linderbaum will look like in the regular season from that game it's still good to see them do what their strengths are against that competition because if they aren't then we know we have issues but they went out and they did what we expect they can do. Uh, Linderbaum, given what he showed uh, from the college film that we've seen, Robinson uh, showed some splash play potential that he teased at times with Kansas City, albeit not nearly consistently enough. Yeah, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I am, I'm just ready for the preseason to be done and for us to get finally get into real football. And we're going to talk about the guys who will be lining up uh, for this team week one against the Jets. And, you know, 
I, I think most of this roster is set, but there are some, still some interesting discussions to be had. Uh, what handshake deals are going to happen? Who's going to make the practice squad? Definitely still some intrigue uh, as we look at the roster before the season starts. Well, luckily it's over, man. The preseason's done. We're in that like weird week and a half dedicated to fantasy football. And uh, <laughs> shameless plug, if you go check out our YouTube channel, you can watch us draft. Uh, Gabe Fergie was also on the call and um, Correspondent Kfish was also on the call uh, and very briefly Cole. <laughs> Extremely um, so, briefly. We had to be very <laughs> quiet. Briefly. Yeah. And and technically EDC Burner was there and then he left. But uh, yeah, we, we had a nice um, draft with everybody. You can watch the YouTube and mostly see me get roasted. That's kind of all that happened. But I like my team a lot, so I think it's all fine. But yeah, man, we got this 53-man roster. We had a long discussion before the show, like putting together all the players and kind of figuring out how this might all go down. I think to start with like quote-unquote ground rules, with the pup, we only have currently, uh, you know, Edwards and Bowser on the pup and, you know, going to use that. They don't count as a a delineation against the 53. Um, Now, if we want to get players on the IR, like Kohler, or um, maybe another player that is is hurt with long enough injury. We don't know enough about the, all the inju- other injuries to really know if they'll be IR worthy. The uh, they'll have to make the fifty three, so they count against our, our number. Um, and then there's this notion of the handshake deal of like, okay, we'll cut you, similar to what we've heard about uh, Tony Jefferson, which has been foretold <laughs> since he like, basically got signed this year. Um, so. They cut them. They don't count against the 53, but then they, they do intend to bring them back. They're part of the Ravens' plans in the future. They might not even bring them back for week one. Another like fun note is that if they don't bring them back week one, then they only have to pay each week that they play. Uh, so they don't have to guarantee all the money that they sign them for. So, you know, lots of uh, gamesmanship. But realistically, the Ravens have a pretty good amount of cap room. They don't necessarily need to eke out every dollar but they they will <laughs> we know how they are uh so you know we'll see how it goes but uh i think the most interesting place to start is the offensive line which i think is a concern of all three of us as far as who all is going to make it and and not so much even who's making it but the strategy behind it all um i think there is some question if one of these players is going to get traded uh, or maybe even a surprise cut. But I do think we're looking at a situation where they're going to have 10 players on the offensive line, most likely. And um, if they don't, it's because they traded one of them. Yeah, I think the uh, I think the two names for me that kind of stand out a little bit, I feel like one of Phillips and Powers, I feel like one of, one of those guys to me just feels like more of a bubble player. You know, I, I feel like this actually... I feel like this kind of gets into, you know, a little bit of just, you know, where the Ravens want depth on their offensive line, you know, because I could see a world in which um, Tristan Colon stays on the team as sort of the backup center sort of role. I mean, I know we do have Patrick McCary um, who can kind of jump in there, uh, Flinderbaum, you know, were to miss any time, but he he's kind of like that, you know, um, kind of pinch guy who can play almost any spot on the line. So, you know, he can, you know, be the backup center. Yeah, he could also be the backup tackle. I mean, I think he can kind of play both those roles. So I think the question is whether the Ravens would value having an extra guard. I mean, they already have, you know, at least three there, right? I mean, you have Cleveland Phillips Powers. 
all those guys, is like, do they want to have three of those or do they want to maybe have, you know, maybe Cologne on there? I, I don't know if there's a world in which they keep 11 offensive linemen. That seems like a lot. You know, it's, it, I don't think the third preseason game really gave much of a, of a gleaning of, of two, who was going to start. I mean, maybe Powers a little bit just because he didn't play that game. So, you know, maybe he might be the starter week one. That's why they rested him. But, you know, based on the whole body of work from the preseason, it just seems very fuzzy. I feel like there might be a potential for a move to be made in that position group. Yeah, I mean, I guess another question I have is like, if let's say you trade Phillips or powers is there really a need to do that like what are you going to get back in return i mean i guess what did they get for bredesen bredesen last year fourth round pick yeah that's right yeah which you know obviously we saw what that turned in for the ravens this year so i mean maybe if a team's knocking uh they're able to do that but yeah you know it, it is interesting because you look at these three guards and um Powers, Cleveland, and Phillips, all of them bring something slightly different to the table. And I feel like over the past two, three seasons, at any one point, you could say one of those guys was the best of the three. I mean, for me personally, right now, I'm riding high on Cleveland of the three of those. Um, I'm not alone. I've seen some other people on Ravens Twitter and the media also speaking highly of Cleveland in the preseason that he's had. But we've seen he he had an injury in practice, and then that's been an issue already with Cleveland early in his career, uh, injuries, uh, conditioning. So do the Ravens feel com- fully comfortable hold- giving him the job? Phillips is a guy the Ravens were high on early in his career, uh, started as, as a rookie, was a starter last year too, but injuries has made him unreliable. And then <laughs> Powers has just kind of always been there and has been serviceable whenever put in there. So yeah, I, I don't. I don't know if they feel confident about any one of those three to to let one of them go. We could see a situation here where one of the three starts. Let's say it is Powers, um, as as a lot of of people are opining, and you know they're just not not getting the production they want out of him. I, I don't think they'd they would have any problem giving Phillips or, or Cleveland a go. So I guess because none of the three of them have really separated enough i right now i'm looking that i think it's more likely that they'll keep all three of them in some capacity that's ironic peter because i think i have the exact opposite viewpoint interesting if 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 somebody was willing to give me a fourth or a fifth for one of those players uh preferably powers uh for not just his contract reasons but also his optionality that's kind of where i'm getting at Uh, none of these guys have totally hit uh, so far, at least. And I think we know where Powers is the most. And I'd rather reset the clock and get rid of him than guess and say, you know what? I am uncomfortable with any of them, maybe. But I think of them, I have the most hope in you know Cleveland or Phillips being able to get it together. and, and Or even like the replacement level isn't that big of a difference. So I would say if I had the option to... I would try to say Phillips or Powers trade him. I would uh, to just reset the clock and give me some optionality down the, down the road. That's uh, that's where I stand with them. But I think it's hard to find that team, and that's right. the that's the issue. I would say that the team probably exists in the NFC. Um, I think the 
Cowboys had injuries, but definitely the Buccaneers had injuries. Both teams that might be contenders, and you might have to see them again. You will play the Bucs, but, you know, right price, you do it. Yeah, and, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of validity to that path as well. Um, you know, another thing to look at here is not just this season, but the upcoming seasons. Uh, Zeitler, how many more seasons does he have in him? So you're looking at when when his time is done here, who's going to replace him? Now, of course, you have McCarry. Maybe we could put McCarry there. But, yeah, I think that's a valid path they could go to. The one thing that does have me a little cautious about the plan of, of trading either Phillips or, or Powers is, again, we're looking at Cleveland has had some some issues with, with injuries already in, in his young career. So let's say there's an injury to Powers. Could that create a void at, at left guard? And, you know, do you have enough depth there to hold that up? But, you know, I, I think maybe we're also being a little overly cautious about injuries given last season. <laughs> you know, you don't really need 15 depth offensive line pieces absolutely that's <laughs> an exaggeration but yeah it, you know it's going to be interesting to see what the ravens do i think i think both routes are arguably a good path the ravens could take and we'll just we'll see what they do i think another interesting uh thing to look at staying on the offensive line is what the ravens do with Jawan james obviously we didn't see ronnie stanley at all during the preseason he passes physical um he's practicing has he done contact drills yet i don't think he has yeah i i, I haven't seen it if he did i would think i would have heard about it but i haven't seen right it. yeah so hopefully and i say hopefully because we know what happened last year uh the ravens coaching staff has more of an idea of his health than we do and if they really feel like he's <laughs> ready to go and and he's going to be you know at least you know 70 percent of the ronnie stanley of old and his health doesn't seem like a concern this year does Jawan james have a place on on this team is is he necessary so I, I do wonder if if james's status on this roster will tell us something about the health of stanley at least going into the season i mean the answer to that question i think for sure um i think that's a i think it's a big deal i mean i i but i, I do think it's very unlikely at this point that james is not going to make the final 53 or at least you know be on the team week one you know i don't think the ravens will want to go in to uh, New York with uh, McCarry as your starting left tackle, right? Assuming Moses stays on the right side. Um, I, I just think James is probably a better option. Even if he's not, I mean, I, I do think that he would be a preferred backup. And then again, McCarry can kind of be this guy who, like, if he needs to go at tackle, it's fine, but he's really a backup center, backup lineman that he can kind of do anything that we need to. Uh, he's kind of like the James Hurst role, right? I don't think the Ravens want to keep him at a tackle spot if they can help it yeah i think the beauty of what's happened with these tackles is that they're a little bit ahead of of expected maybe or at least on the better side of of their curve of outcomes and it allows you to really focus mccary on inside interior substitutions if necessary and i don't think we want to lose that optionality and i think they're too valuable right like tackles are really valuable for instance, let's say a player falls, you know, the the Stanley of another team falls. Stanley's looking good. We have Jawan James. We trade him for like a third. Like that's that's worth something. If you if you then decide like, all right, I'm rather I'm willing to be a little bit more flimsy, like that player is too valuable to cut. That's what I think about Jawan James at this point. He he's shown enough that he's too valuable to cut. And 
I would think, you know, maybe he's a sneaky trade partner. And yeah, for what you're getting at, I think, with this question is, there's data points to be extrapolated if Juwan James is moved from the roster in some capacity. I don't think it really tells you anything if he's there as far as Stanley's health. My guess is that Stanley will be back before a game that makes us sweat is played, a.k.a. week four. I don't know if he'll be there week one, but I don't know if it's because he's not ready or if he's they're just being extra cautious. My, my, my like pet theory is that he'll be padded and dressed up and active, but not playing for week one. I guess we're not technically doing our bold predictions this episode, but that <laughs> seems like it would be one. Oh, like uh, dressed, but not playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that is my, I guess my bold prediction. I've been thinking, I've been thinking for a couple weeks now that he'll be like available in an emergency situation, but not the, uh, the go-to player. Yeah. For the first week. Or maybe he, like he does go in for like a series or two, but like he has his like preseason against the Jets, which we joked it was. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like he warms oh, up. Like the fifth preseason game uh, against the Dolphins in 2019. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and then we play him again at the home opener. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be quite a preseason game though this year. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> they are in a much better situation now. I think the next place maybe to look is um, the running back room. Really weird room. So Dobbins, you know, was antsy. He came back. He no longer has pup optionality. I don't think we wanted to do that in the first place, so it's fine. So he's making the team. And then you've got a bunch of running backs that probably will all make the team, but there's a world where they just don't. Um, One of them doesn't. So we're talking about Mike Davis uh, Justice Hill and Tyler Beatty. And my hunch is that they all make the team, but I do believe there's some handshake optionality with Mike Davis. He's one of those riskier handshakes because he is a new Raven. It's not like you're going to means who's been here before and loves the Ravens or urban who loves the Ravens or Jefferson who loves the Ravens and saying, Hey, we'll see you soon. He's kind of a mercenary. He could just leave right (laughs) so they don't have that same level of maybe trust necessarily with him there's a little bit of projection but i would say it's definitely less it might not be that enough less that it matters but definitely less than those other players will they cut him to fit something in will they make a surprising cut and cut their six round pick and baby um will they cut ties with hill who's looked good looked explosive always been a good special teams player just because it's on the last year of his deal so i think the bubble that these all these players are in is super fascinating and it might be like and none of it mattered they all made the team (laughs) but i think it's interesting (laughs) it's probably interesting for them if i think it's interesting (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i have no idea what they're gonna do here um it's like all options are are likely Beatty seems like he's the safest of the three because they had just invested draft capital in him this year. But at the same time, you know, he'll just look good this year in preseason. He looks he looked better than I was expecting him to look at this season, uh, at least at this point in the season. He's on the field. Um, unfortunately, Gus Edwards can't say that, who also suffered his injury at, at a similar time uh, to Hill. And, you know... Mike Davis, at first, when the Ravens first signed him, I thought he was going to be a, just be a camp body, but they had him running out there with the first set of offensive players that they put out on the field in each of the three preseason games. Gave him, you know, a, 
a decent amount of carries for a preseason game relative to the time he was out there. It seems to me that they believe that he's a part of the early season roster here. So I would imagine, for the reason that you said, I think of the guys we're going to talk about as potentials for handshake deals, he would probably be the guy that they have on the list of the last one they would go to for the reason that you're saying that he doesn't have the tenure with the organization that those other guys do. Um, So that does make that type of move riskier, but yeah, he perfectly fits the, the pedigree for someone that the Ravens would do a handshake deal with. And I do think unless the handshake goes awry and some other team snipes him uh, from us, Mike Davis is going to be part of a three headed back committee for the Ravens in week one, because that's what the first half of the season is in a Greg Roman offense. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm just gonna put that out there. I, I really hope that they don't handshake him. Um, I definitely think Mike Davis has a place on this team, at least until Gus comes back healthy. I really like what I saw from him. I thought he, you know, showed a, a decent bit of explosiveness. Um, he certainly looked better, I think, than Freeman or Murray at any point last year. I think he just showed more juice in the preseason. And while, yeah, I mean, if, you know, if we slightly change the shift of this episode, not to like a 53-man roster, but like, you know, what are the issues going into the season? Like, what are you concerned about kind of thing? I think in general, the running back room is a huge concern. But that being said, like, I think Mike Davis has shown enough to definitely be a player on this team. So I would not want to risk losing him, you know, and while he'll, you know, looks good coming back from his injury, we kind of know what the player he is already, you know, he's, he's been here a couple of years and while he's, he's flashed in, in a few situations, he really hasn't, you know, been that player that we've really wanted. And then Beatty, obviously, you know, just being so new, I, I don't really think there's, you know, you can say anything, you know, good or, or bad at him at this point. But uh, I know for me, yeah, I, I definitely would not try to handshake Davis. I think he um, is any, you know, better than any option that we had last year. And I think, you know, with the risk that we have in the whole room, I, I think you just have to keep a guy like that. Something that plays into the Ravens' favor if uh, Davis does need to be handshaked. We already know Kenyon Drake uh, has been cut by the Raiders. Uh, Sony Michelle was cut by the Dolphins just prior to this recording. Um, some other vet backs might get cut as well. So if they do need to, to handshake Davis, uh, more vet running backs being added to the free agency market can only help that situation to you know increasing the likelihood that that Davis would still be there for the Ravens when they can re-sign him. Yeah, I think we all might have a little bit of uh, PTSD from last year. That was a very unique situation that uh, likely won't happen again. Like, I just don't think the running back uh, pool is going to ever be quite as dry as it was in last year specifically. It was like the worst year to have that experiment happen. <laughs> so <laughs> True. <laughs> and also, I do think, though, what, what is worth saying is this offense is because of the you know mesh point and some of the advanced concepts, so to speak, that we use is a harder offense to just like get a guy off the street and immediately have the chemistry necessary to like run at all cylinders. It just it takes a lot more time to get that chemistry with the mesh point figured out, and it takes time to be a part of this system. So I feel confident, more confident in the available backs this year than ever. But I'd also say. They're always going to have a little bit more of a hard time onboarding just because of the nature of their offense. The real uh, twist, since we've kind of talked last, was the acquisition 
of Demarcus Robinson, the guaranteed money involved, and what it did to the wide receiver battle. Um, he basically is now a wide receiver four or five, mattering on how you want to look at it. And unless you see Tylen Wallace getting a surprise cut, which is not you know characteristic of the Ravens, of a fourth-round pick in their second year, it looks like unless a surprising roster construction happens, we're not going to have any of these camp darlings from uh, you know this this season making the 53-man roster, which is probably fine because I don't think any of them looked so good that another team's going to be like, come here immediately. I think we'll be able to get our favorites on the practice squad and then maybe upon call-ups or as other people get more thin, then they might get poached. But I don't think any team is looking at our wide receiver darlings and like, oh yeah, I want them on my 53. <laughs> uh, <laughs> probably not. So we'll see what happens with that group. I definitely think it's worth watching. I think there's some talents there that could do something in this league eventually. Um, but I don't think any of them are there yet. And actually, I think I'm feeling better about the wide receiver room than I have in a while. Like Robinson's a weird pickup where I never would have thought that he would give me as much confidence as he already has given his previous, you know, pedigree and, and performances. But it looks like he might be a, a really nice piece, you know, like just enough to, you know, get 35, 40 catches and make some good out of it. Right. Well, certainly after, you know, having a game 130 yards and a touchdown could have had two, like that made you feel pretty good. Um, certainly. But, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I mostly agree. Yeah. I, I think the, we're going to roll with the five guys that we have just add Robinson to the group of, of Bateman, Duvernay, Prochet, Wallace. Um, I think five is enough, you know, as much as, uh, I, I don't want to discount the, uh, the catch that Benjamin Victor had in the game the other day. I mean, that was incredible. Um, just body control to be able to kind of contort his body to go back the hands to be able to pull that down. That was an amazing catch. Probably the best, you know, that we've seen all preseason. Um, if not for, you know, several games before that it was very great um but overall i mean you know he's been i think he's been on the practice squad for at least two years you know i don't know if he's necessarily at the level to be able to bring on to the the 53 at this point and while you know maybe another team will just be enamored with that I, i'm like i can live with that if if a team were to kind of pick him up but yeah all the other guys are just they're just guys um made some place here and there but yeah i i would be fine kind of rolling with the five I feel like a broken record, but going back to what I said earlier about the running back room, about it being a risk, wide receiver, again, another one. It's like, you know, we've had years like this where we kind of roll with a, uh, you know, less seasoned wide receiver room. Sometimes uh, it's gone better than others. Uh, this one for sure, uh, outside of Bateman and maybe Robinson at this point, like there's a lot of potential, but it's a big risk for sure. The signing of Robinson definitely adds a another dimension to this offense. Um, we talked about how the loss of, of Hollywood Brown to this offense meant there's one less guy on the team that can completely take the top off a of defense. Can Bateman do that? Um, he has the skill sets to do it, certainly. The Ravens didn't really utilize him in that role uh, last season, um, but hopefully in his second season, they'll put him in more opportunities to do that. But then outside of him, you know, that's not Prochet's game, and Wallace and Duvernay just haven't shown they can do it to the degree that Robinson did in the preseason game uh, that just passed. I am a little more tempered in my expectations for Robinson. 
I look at it and you see last year in Kansas City, Byron Pringle really took over his role and, and his numbers fell last year. The Chiefs lose Tyreek Hill and they bring in MVS, Juju Smith-Schuster, decide Robinson is disposable. He goes to the Raiders. They decide that outside of Adams and Hunter Renfro, even though they lost Say Jones, they'd rather keep guys like Keelan Cole, Tyron Johnson, Mac Hollins over him. I look at that, and it does make me a little skeptical with Robinson. It's like, okay, both these teams, you could argue, you know, they have more wide receiver depth than the Ravens do. Actually, you might be able to argue that the Ravens have more wide receiver depth than than the Chiefs. But so that makes me wonder. It's like, okay, well, why did both these teams say no to Robinson that past this past season? And again, you look at his career; it's just been frustrating. Like he'll he'll make big play one week and then just be just disappear for three or four weeks in one of the most wide receiver friendly offenses in the league. But with all that said, you know, I, I think he doesn't need to be a guy that they count on week in and week out. You know, Robinson, if if he is say like Jacoby Jones was from a wide receiver standpoint in 2012 and 2013, that's the type of player Jones was from that position. He would wouldn't catch balls every week, but when he did, they were big plays in key situations um, that could really change the course of a fo- of a football game. I'm looking at that, and I think that's more likely what we would expect from Robinson than a guy who's going to be a big contributor week in and week out. Whatever role he does end up getting on the team, I think you have to give credit to the front office for taking a flyer on a guy that certainly has intriguing talent. Um, and then with the with the free agent wide receivers, the undrafted free agents, I agree with what you guys are saying. Um, each of them has some intriguing characteristics. Um, maybe we can keep them uh, or some subset of them on the practice squad for another year or two, see if any of them develop into something that could be a serviceable fourth or fifth wide receiver. But yeah, none of them are screaming that they have to be on the field this year. So uh, I think, yeah, the Ravens going with those five seems almost a virtual lock at this point. I love that Peter is putting dishonor on Josh Gordon's name. He's like, he's not a good wide receiver backup. (laughs) He's on the chiefs. (laughs) Josh Gordon. That's, that's, that's a whole nother topic. (laughs) Yeah. I I just mess with you, man. I was like, I wonder who they have. And yeah, you know, it's not the worst take. Like, I think Juju and Sky Moore have some promise. Uh, Valdez Scantling is like, I think he's a failed experiment. I mean, Cole Harmon seems like a failed experiment, but they're not so bad that they're, you know, cut worthy. Um, and realistically, a lot of people probably are saying the same thing about Duvernay and Prochet and Wallace, right? Whereas, and, and honestly, that was my big thing about Robinson is like, respected organizations said, nah, we good? Like, I don't know. Like, does he have anything to offer? But, it seems like he might have a little bit, so we'll see. Yeah. Oh, and I'm not saying I don't like the signing. I'm just saying, like, I don't know what to make of it. So I'm, no, like, no, tempering no, no, my I expectations. Got, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to make it sound like I'm anti-Robinson. I'm just also not. Oh, I don't think you did. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah. no, I, I, to, I totally get what you're saying. I think it's a, a very valid point. I don't think there's really anything to say about the tight end room, man. I think uh, tight ends, fullbacks, looking good. I think Ben Mason makes the practice squad. Maybe Oliver comes back in the practice squad if uh, no one else wants him, and that seems probable at this point. So, yeah, I think uh, I think that's the offense. All right. Well, then let's move on to the defense right now, and I guess we'll start with I don't know. There's a lot of different par- uh, position groups we could start with here, but I think we want to start with one of the guys, the position groups that has 
a guy who really has come out of nowhere um, to have a great preseason and is looking like he has a great shot to make the roster. You look at the inside linebacker position, uh, Josh Ross, undrafted out of Michigan, uh, has just had an incredible preseason, looks great. I wouldn't be shocked at all if he pushes Malik Harrison for playing time this season. Inside linebacker, it looks like, to me, they're going to keep four. You got Bynes and Queen there, obviously. I think Ross has played his way onto the team. Harrison is probably safe, and Welsh is probably out. That's what it looks like to me for the interior linebackers. Yeah, well, it looks like, um, uh, I think some Ravens Twitter was uh, just putting this out there, but it sounds like uh, John has informed his brother that Ross is going to make the team. So that's kind of the rumor out here now. All um, right, let's go, man. will make it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I, the first two games, I thought he looked really great. I thought the the third game against the Commanders, I think maybe he was exposed a little bit, um, just from a little bit more of the higher level of competition. I thought he didn't look as strong in maybe pass defense as he did the previous two weeks, but um, still made some great plays. I mean, he had that great run stop where he, you know, read the what the offense was doing, shot the gap, and was able to make the tackle for loss in the backfield. I mean, it was a great play. But yeah, I, I'm I'm totally happy with that. Welch, you know, he could be a guy maybe brought back at some point, but you know, I I feel like he's kind of in the same you know uh, kind of route as Harrison. Like, you know, they can do some stuff. Maybe they're looking for more development. I think Harrison just has a little bit more um, control than Welch at this point. But um, I think it would be surprising if they kind of let him go. But yeah, uh, overall, I mean, I, I agree with that position group. I think um, I think Ross um, making the team as an undrafted free agent, I think, is the biggest uh, biggest news for sure. Big surprise of camp. It did seem like the inside linebacker position was a place of, you know, that was a possibility for. But uh, yeah, I'm really pleased for Ross. He just shows recognition of a more veteran player he understands assignments and what it allows him to do like that a gap thing you were talking about chris like he understood like everyone's assignment and he said you know i'm gonna shoot this gap and if uh if if the play goes as i hope i'll be tackling the running back right and if it's not i'll be taking on a blocker which is like another valid thing to be doing um so i think it was a, just a, a high awareness play. And it's funny that we're talking about Welsh this way after what was probably his best preseason game as well. He had like the one and a half, maybe two sacks in the game. He looked pretty good as well. But I think uh, you don't often find a player like Ross. Um, the Ravens have a history of it, but like in general, it doesn't come around where he's able to make that leap, make the 53. Um, and I think... Players like that in our past have turned out to be very, very good players. There are a few duds, right? Like Peanut was a dud. But typically, they turn out to be like a pretty darn good player. And I guess maybe Peanut wasn't a dud. We just asked him to do yeah. too much. He failed and then, you know. He, he got exposed <laughs> over time, I think, is is the right, more accurate statement. Yeah. <laughs> right. But it's, but I do but get it, what you're saying. I think, yeah. I think your take's still valid. Right. Yeah, I mean, it just seems like Ross is kind of like the higher ceiling player, right? Whereas like oh, for with sure. Welsh, like you know, that might be his ceiling. What we saw, you know, mm-hmm. for sure. And I think Welsh is a good enough player to be on an NFL roster, if not the Ravens, at some point this season with you know injuries and attrition. But I do think, uh, yeah, Ross is going to be the one, and that's ex- I think that's just a really exciting piece of the puzzle this offseason. I think a similar player 
is Isaiah Mack on the defensive line. You know, we've seen bits and pieces from Mack and Crawford, actually, of, you know, really playing well. And Mack just dominated, uh, particularly in this last preseason game. You know, he really made a name for himself without, you know, Travis Jones taking up snaps. Um, Crawford got hurt at the last game, and there was a chance it could be serious. I'd be curious if they end up injury settling him and ending his year. That would be a weird thing to do, kind of a sad thing to do for the player, particularly if he's able to come back um, in some capacity. But it would, I think it would allow them to get control. Don't quote me on that. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. But I think Mac, he is another player that really is forcing the hand of the Ravens to figure out a way to keep him around. Yeah, and it's a great thing to see. Um, I was I was talking with a friend of mine over the weekend and we were talking about how, you know, Travis Jones has had a great preseason, obviously Matabuke is there and, and talking about, you know, Washington Mac, uh, these guys, and it's good that the Ravens have that and they need to give him a good hard look because what have we been talking about the past couple of seasons? The Ravens have really been lacking in youth development on the defensive line. Uh, you know, some of the guys we're going to be talking about later, Pierce, Campbell, uh, Urban, you know, how much are they going to be able to give you this year? You got to manage their bodies, manage their workload so that they can last a full season at their age. So yeah, a guy like Mac would, could have use this season as a rotational guy, but yeah, is he going to fit the roster crunch? I think one thing that definitely helps this case, um, you know, although it's unfortunate to kind of hear is that, um, so uh, Crawford, um, believe had an injury in the second half of the preseason game. So, I mean, he is an IR candidate. Um, at least, you know, I'm not sure if, if the Ravens think that he might be able to come back and maybe want to get him on the IR to return or if they just straight up put him on the IR. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I I agree with that, Peter. I mean, you have a lot of vet players here. Um, somehow it doesn't feel like as much, I guess. Uh, which is a little weird to say um, because I know we've kind of rolled with a lot of vet players on the defensive line, but um, I do think Urban, you know, Urban's a little bit, you know, less tread on the tires as a guy like um, Derek Wolf. But uh, but otherwise, I mean, you've got Jones, you've got um, you know, you've got Washington, Matt Crawford. Like there are a lot of young guys on this roster, and Nichols. We didn't even mention his name either. I mean, he could be you know a candidate that could you know maybe make the practice squad. Um, it's amazing. It's just the positional overturn from last year and that we've there are a lot of guys to be excited about here so yeah i mean the more of them that the ravens are able to keep around that's awesome i think when we're talking about handshake deals uh brent urban is probably another consideration for that uh he's played in all three preseason games this year i believe um and it's looked good uh he's he's looked like a guy who can certainly contribute to this team this season uh, it's his second go second stint with the ravens um obviously so He's built up that pedigree with the organization that they could probably use that um, with him if needed. Yeah, I definitely want to see how it plays out. I'm, I'm glad to see that Urban has been having a good preseason like you guys mentioned. And uh, it gives me confidence in this defensive line going into the season. I think we have a lot of promising pieces. Uh, and I think it might be the best defensive line we've seen in many years for the Ravens. And I'm, I'm even more excited once you know Travis Jones comes back. So very good to see. Well done, Ravens, uh, making their what we thought was a weakness going into the season, something they needed to address in kind of a traditional way, in not conventional way. They were able to address it and and really um, give us much more confidence as a fan base. 
the place that the Ravens failed to address. Like, undeniably, a lot of things have gone wrong. Very tragic things have gone wrong. You know, you can't really count for any of these things. You can't plan for it. It's sort of the offensive tackle of last year. And the running back room of last year is is outside linebacker edge for the Ravens. Uh, it's it's looking bleak, boys. Like we're looking at Houston, Oa, and Hayes as locks, with uh, Ojabo also a lock to make the roster for accounting purposes, so to speak. And I don't think anyone else is going to be a lock to make the roster. I would be inclined to think Means is back. I would say that there's uh, already been a cut from Arizona with uh, Kennard. That might be a player that makes it back to the Ravens. But yeah, this this position group is really, really hurting. Hayes had a very quiet preseason and did not flash like he did last year. Uh, obviously, we've been seeing little of Owe in Houston, and we expect them to be good, but they're not they're both technically players you would want to be like the rush. So the Sam role is really in question. Looks like probably OA will play it in the beginning, but uh, yeah, guys, I mean, this is just a big bummer. This group looks like it could be awesome. You know, if the injury recoveries go well, Bowser and Ojabo, if they are available second half of the year and looking good and ramp up for the postseason, like this, this group could be stellar, phenomenal. But for week one, it's, it's really, really thin. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I think you explained it perfectly. Um, let's say there are no injuries to this group. If there's no injuries to this group, you're looking at Owe and Bowser starting here, and you're backed up with Houston and Ojabo, and you know maybe you can find a, a situational spot where Hayes can really thrive with what he's been able to acclimate to the NFL at this point, too. But with Bowser and Ojabo out, yeah, this looks... Really slim. Um, Owe, as I said last episode, he looked phenomenal against Arizona. He looks like an improved player from last year, um, which isn't to say that he was bad last year. He certainly wasn't, but there were certainly areas to improve. And he looks like, to me, it looks like he's teasing a more complete player. But you need more than that, right? You need more than that. Uh, Houston, he's another vet guy. Ideally, you want him to be a situational guy, not not a a, a two-down player. yeah, the, the success of this group is really going to hinge on can Bowser come back by midseason? Uh, can Ojabo come back by midseason? You know, for long term, you don't want to rush these guys. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what Ben McDonald does. Does that affect the defensive strategy a bit in the first half of the season to compensate for that being a weakness on on what for the rest of it is is actually a pretty strong and, and, and deep defense? But yes, I Alec, you're one hundred percent right. By far, this is this is the uh, the leaky hole on this group, and and hopefully the Ravens will be able to to find a way to still get production from this group, or at least minimize uh, the impact that uh, this w- weakness could be to the overall potential for this group. I'd say the only good thing in my mind, man, is that just having a weak position group somewhere else, and having so many other strong positional groups. Uh, means we can keep more of the guys that we know that are going to be good contributors. So I feel like this kind of transitions well into the DBs. Um, there are just so many DBs that I think have a place on this team. Um, we have, I think, nine guys who are probably locks and then two bubble guys who are potential to like come back. 
I mean, so, uh, you know, out of all the corners, I mean, you got Marlowe, Peters, they're going to be there. Uh, Marcus Williams, Chuck Clark, Kyle Hamilton, all those guys are going to be playing and playing a lot of snaps for us uh, this year. But then you have other guys, too, uh, who have flashed in the preseason. Uh, Pepe, uh, Brandon Stevens looked okay. Uh, although, you know, transitioning the corner, I think he's got a little bit more of a learning curve than maybe he did last year. Uh, Gino Stone also has looked great this preseason, been making lots of plays against twos and threes. Um, our Darius Washington, while, you know, it took him a little bit to be able to get on the field, I think we've seen good snaps from him too. Um, he's definitely a player that, you know, I just don't know if the Ravens are going to be able to keep around on the practice squad this year. Um, you know, he could definitely be a contributor. And then Tony Jefferson, like kind of we mentioned earlier, handshake deal. Um, there's definitely a chance that he could come back, maybe not week one, but at some point. Um, I mean, that's 11 guys right there who, I, you know, I could be really excited about. And while, yeah, I mean, I would love to have Bowser and Ojabo back at edge. If we can keep that many DBs on the field, I I trust uh, Mike McDonald to be able to put all those guys on the field, right? We'll find some packages, um, find some ways to be able to get all these DBs on the field, play a, a, these dimeback roles, whatever we need to do to be able to get in a good position. Um, I just like these guys as football players. And I think it's a great opportunity that uh, the Ravens shouldn't give up uh, just you know because they want to have like the positional numbers in other places. Chris, I think you had a great point about the Ravens need to focus. And Mike McDonald, it's a, it's a beautiful like combination, right? Of we're looking at this new scheme, we're looking at you know modern offenses, modern defenses. The thing is, the way they built the inside line of the interior line, right? There's there's potential for pass rush. You have also like Campbell who, you know, could maybe get a, a fountain of youth moment and, and really explode with sacks again, maybe. There's players there that have been able to generate pass rush. And maybe the scheme is we try to generate pass rush with these guys and we rush away. We rush Houston, right? Or whatever with it is. And they use safeties as pseudo outside linebackers or um you know i'm not saying that that like totally works but in passing downs it could right get get them off the field maybe uh if they're more of a passing liability get the inside linebackers off the field um there's just there's some creativity that can be done about the personnel packages deployed how they're used that could be really interesting and i do think that all this is short term there's obviously the Bills game. That's you know week four penciled. Oh no, we're not going to have Bowser for that, right? Okay, that stinks. Like we wish we did, but the other games are winnable, and you know, you just need this bridge essentially of maybe some extra creativity, maybe a little bit less pass rush than you really want out of the team. Uh, maybe you know you're not allowing your players like oh wait get in the best position because they're playing more coverage snaps, whatever. That's unfortunate for their stats or whatever, and it's unfortunate maybe for the team and they're not hitting on all cylinders. But I think with some creativity they can still be a very effective defense. And that's what I'm getting at is like maybe the stats won't be there because of the ways that the other parts of the rosters have been built. You know, player we haven't talked about at all because he hasn't played. Patrick Queen. Like Patrick Queen could be a great pass rush option, right? They could blitz him. And we've seen that work well before. So. Okay, like, you don't have your rush linebackers. You don't have a Sam, necessarily. But what do you have? You know, you got Chuck Clark. You got Chuck Clark. Like, you got Hamilton. You've got players that are playmakers that can, you know, be reliable and run, running downs. And 
create opportunities for you know, blitz opportunities and stuff. I think it'll work. I think it's it's scary but exciting. <laughs> I think that last sentence uh, sums it up perfectly. <laughs> I can edit out all the rest of it to say it's scary but exciting. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think that was a good lead up to that, and then the that last part uh, suffices it well. So now we got to talk about the group that everyone's. Uh, has a lot of question marks about, um, you know, just, you know, who, who is going to be starting here? Um, you know, I, I'm just going to go out on a limb here. I, I say that Justin Tucker, Jordan Stout, and Nick Moore are locks to make the roster. I don't know what you guys think about that, but I, I feel pretty confident about that. What about you guys? I put $5,000 on it today. I didn't actually, but I, if, I, if I could, it's just a bettable thing. I would do it. <laughs> what's that, that fate? pay five thousand dollars to win a penny yeah pretty much (laughs) (laughs) it's like um you have to put like i think a hundred thousand or no you have to put ten thousand dollars down to get a hundred dollars back about uh uh lawrence getting drafted the first overall pick last year (laughs) (laughs) which is just extreme amount of capital for what you get back oh man well one group that we haven't touched on yet uh, totally by design and not because we were so busy talking about the other position groups. Um, but is the quarterback position. Um, so obviously we did not see Lamar Jackson during the preseason. It was the Tyler Huntley, Anthony Brown show. Yeah, I mean, obviously both performed well. Uh, we saw some good things with them about both of them in preseason football. Uh, we'll certainly talk about them. But I guess we do, as we're recording this on Monday, August 29th at 9 p.m., uh, there's been some action on Twitter today as our star quarterback Lamar Jackson is still not signed yet and some interesting stuff on Twitter which I'm sure people will talk about so I guess we should give some talk on that <laughs> if, if we can I don't know if how we're supposed to make heads or tails of any of it I feel like the only thing that we know is that the Ravens did not offer Lamar 250 million dollars guaranteed I feel like the, the the only thing that tells you is that like oh they might have like offered more or less or it just may not be two hundred fifty million <laughs> it could be two hundred forty nine two fifty one like <laughs> yeah. whatever um, the pedantics you know, it depends on how literal I guess you want to be there um, <laughs> and then uh, the only other thing I think we know is that <laughs> is that somebody made the comment of fully guaranteed deals are pretty risky and not good business and then lamar was like you don't love lamar (laughs) and uh i think he got like ten thousand likes or something for that so um (laughs) i think we're all in agreement on the show we want lamar to be here for the long term we love you lamar uh whatever the numbers are to make it work like we just wanted to make it work but uh yeah it's uh it's it's blowing up Okay, here's my official take. It's kind of new and fresh to the situation. The Browns made terrible business. Absolutely terrible business. But if Lamar's using that as his leverage and we need to do terrible business because it's with Lamar Jackson, it's not terrible business. Fine. It It is a horrible move that, like, <laughs> horrible from, like, a precedent setting and other quarterbacks that are not as deserving as Lamar Jackson will get a similar treatment because that's how the league works. But... For him, it's fine. <laughs> For him and a couple like other people in his class, there are other quarterbacks that like. I think that's the problem with contracts. Is like everyone wants to have the big new shiny contract, but there's like only so many players that are actually in that conversation, and they don't get new contracts all the time because they just got it, and it's usually for a long amount of time, and then they're gonna get like fade. 
it, it's just it's just stupid. Like like Derek Carr should never get a contract even remotely close to this. Uh, who's another like middling quarterback that exists in the world? Like uh, Captain Kirk, Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible player, absolutely terrible player. I guess serviceable. But I wouldn't terrible. go that far, but yeah, Anything, very average QB. Like terrible <laughs> to give that kind of money to. Has made an incredible amount of money as a quarterback, right? Like, like uh, you know, Matt Ryan. You could say in the past, Joe Flacco. These are guys that were like they're good quarterbacks, but they don't deserve to make the best quarterback money, and they do. Uh, and it just it's a weird market. I don't understand why that part of it exists. But for these really elite MVP like players that put teams on backs you know there's probably like six of them in the league maybe tops they can get that contract all i know is that player contracts is my least favorite part of following sports i just i couldn't care less it's like it's great for them and and their (laughs) lives but like i just i just i I focus on my finances and let players figure out their own it's like i think that's how a lot of fans are too it's just like we only care about it because it determines whether or not they play for the team other than that, we wouldn't care at all. Yeah. I think that wraps it up, guys. Like, I don't want to say much more about it. I would say the quarterback situation is interesting with with Brown. I think he's shown it a lot. Um, I think he might have a future on the team on, like, the actual 53 at some point. Maybe not this year, but in the future. Uh, we'll see what happens with Huntley after we lose control over him. So, uh, Or if we choose to lose control, we trade him. But... We've talked about that on other shows, so we'll leave it at that. But I think Brown had another good game. And, like, again, it goes back to the classic, like, he's too valuable to cut. Like, you don't cut Huntley. But if they kept Brown somehow through some magicianry, maybe, like, when the handshakes could be Mike Davis, if they haven't already used it, use it to keep him on the 53 to protect him, that'd be a huge sign that, like, oh, yeah, the Ravens see it the way that some fans have seen it. Like, he looked like he might actually be a higher ceiling quarterback than Huntley at this point he throws outside the numbers better he has like kind of better touch on that it seems like he just has more i mean again it's preseason so it's like hard to say but it, it seems like he might be like the higher ceiling player and and you know he was loved in college so who knows man who knows but definitely a really interesting player who will be in the nfl for another couple of years i think from what he did this offseason just one interesting aside for that that i was thinking about uh, this morning is just like obviously growing up when we watched Ravens they couldn't pick a quarterback you know for anything but interestingly enough since drafting Derek Anderson in the sixth round of 2005 they've hit a ton on quarterback obviously Joe Flacco after that uh, Tyrod Taylor's been around the league for a while obviously Lamar Jackson uh, Tyrell Huntley's serviceable uh, Brown looks looks good McSorley has been desired. McSorley got a contract with another team, you know? It's like, yeah, it's it's just really interesting. It's like, you know, the the Ravens low-key have actually become a a very competent uh, quarterback uh, scouting department (laughs) after just being, like, among the worst in the league from, like, 96 to 2005. Oh, it was the Billick era? The guy who wrote I, a book well, on and, and before that too it was in March of Broda. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, but were they trying to find a quarterback then? I guess they were. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they had, they had Testaverde for a year and a half, and then they they went through uh, the Jim Harbaugh, Stony Case, uh, Tony Banks, Trent Dilfer. There was another guy in there too. Gerbeck, Redman, Redman, right? Yeah, 
But I think even before that, I think there was another guy in the in the Har- Harbaugh case banks uh, carousel. Yeah, I'm not trying to hit on Billy because the problem with like finding a quarterback at all. By the way, I was just I thought it's funny because he made the book. Maybe that's why he wrote the book. He's like, I didn't find any success. How did people yeah. find success? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I I know several Ravens fans who 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 have several opinions on 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 Brian Billick and and quarterbacks mm-hmm. and <laughs> yeah. yeah several fans. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Maybe that's a that's an off season show for next year. <laughs> I think yeah, that could be an interesting topic in the off season. Stay tuned, guys definitely stay tuned well thanks so much for listening we will be wrapping this up and uh going into i guess uh the first prediction show and preview show for the game against the jets kind of the next episode and uh until then you can follow us on twitter at one winning pod you can subscribe to our youtube channel like i said there's the draft stuff and more importantly we're gonna start doing other videos there uh, that aren't like on the podcast feed. So if you want to watch them, they'll be coming out for week one for sure. Uh, we'll be talking about the spreads and, and NFL bets as well. So we'll see. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun on the YouTube channel this year. Uh, you can email us one winning pod at gmail.com. Thanks guys for listening. Go Ravens. And let's see what the 53 looks like. <laughs> <laughs>